Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. Uh, this is Caleb, and I'm coming to you again with Adam and Rhiannon. Um, guys, go ahead and say hello and uh, tell us just something interesting going on in your week. Hello, I'm Rhiannon, and I am in charge of my hometown's Mardi Gras next week. What's up, guys? This is Adam, and I am so totally excited that the MCU is no longer without <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> Yeah, we always say full spoilers. In the, uh, <laughs> that's funny. I might find like a bleeping noise to put in there just in case. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Um, <laughs> so my my bit of news, I was really sad. I found out today that the uh, Naked Chicken Chalupa is done at Taco Bell. They're going to pull it already. I mean. Really? The poor. Have you guys had one of these things? They're actually kind of I amazing. It's like a piece of fried chicken with like lettuce and tomato inside of it. So it's actually kind of nice because it cuts down on the carbs of like the shell and stuff. I don't know. I kind of enjoy it. But nonetheless, I, it was so, so short for this world. But I read an article that Taco Bell is actually the healthiest fast food option for what it's worth. Oh, I don't believe Makes that, sense. but that's OK. <laughs> Maybe, Me either. Who knows? It might have been the onion. I can't remember what I was reading. Yeah. <laughs> Chick Fil A is so actually, hard to tell these days. Chick Fil A is actually shockingly good, uh, decent for you. Like it's not as bad as you'd think for fried chicken. So, all right. Well, now that we've said hello and gotten going, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our news for the week. Uh, as far as our main conversation this week, I think we're going to talk a lot about Agents of Shield, since there is no more Agents of Shield until April. So we'll talk a little bit about the show and where it's at and where we see it going. But for now, let's go ahead and start the news. Um, First thing is we finally got some casting for Inhumans. It is not like a dump of all the major characters the way we were kind of hoping it would be. But nonetheless, we do have casting. Um, Ewan Rion, I think that's right. I don't know Welsh all that well, but... Anyways, Ewan Rion has been uh, cast. He was in Game of Thrones, and he is going to be Maximus the Mad. So um, do either of you guys watch Game of Thrones? Do you know this character or this this actor? And uh, do you think it's a good fit to put into the Inhuman show? I've watched Game of Thrones, and I love this guy. He's He's... He had... The- creepiest worst bad guy on the planet in game of thrones and even if do you adam do you watch game of thrones i do not know okay, i have so, a couple episodes but i have no idea who this guy is yeah so even if you don't watch game of thrones you know that it's horrible i mean like people die at every turn and headings and all of that but this guy of all of the horrible people in game of thrones his character was the worst like it's the one that spoiler when he died was like the most welcome death in all of game of thrones so i'm really excited i i don't know my inhumans characters well so should maximus be really evil oh yeah definitely like that's that's the exciting thing is that Maximus is just totally always terrible. Um the the basic concept is that between his intellect and something that happened in his childhood that I won't ruin for comic readers that haven't read it yet. 
Um, he's just, he sort of, um, he's kind of like Scar and Lion King. Like there's sort of that Hamlet-esque thing about him where he thinks he should be king, but he's just totally, absolutely insane. And so he'll do just about anything to his own brother and his sister-in-law and the rest of the royal family so that he can be in charge of the people. And he's just, he's not, he's not all there. Like he's Maximus the mad for a reason because he is crazy. And so like um, in the secret Wars storyline in the comic book, when they needed this group of supervillains to kind of be part of like the end of the world stuff, it's like, Thanos and a bunch of the black order kind of people and Maximus is in that crew because he's sort of that level of deranged. So yeah, he's definitely, definitely evil. That sounds almost like his game of Thrones character in game of Thrones. He is a bastard son of one of the big, and I don't know my game of Thrones well enough to describe it too well, but, you know, like a bastard son of one of the men of power and somehow gets to take the name of his father and therefore is just kind of always trying to prove his worth and just evil. He completely dehumanizes another character, like gets him to go by, you know, tells him he no longer has his name. He has to go by Reek. And this guy is just he's just a wonderful, horrible person. So I would say almost typecast, I guess at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited just that it's an actor from a show that big. Like we've heard some other rumors about who might be in Inhumans. And it really got me kind of worried that it was like going to be like CW rejects. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's kind of nice to see, actor of some sort of caliber from some sort of show of significance that tells me that they're doing some good work to bring good people into this. And it's not, you know, going to be people that were just guest stars on arrow or whatever. So another bit of news that hit this week, um, the Netflix publicity machine is starting up for iron fist a little more earnestly. And we got sort of this like feature video on Danny Rand and iron fist. Rhiannon, go ahead and um, just tell us a little bit about that that video and, and kind of what you're seeing uh, about Iron Fist coming up. So, yeah, I mean, it's really ramping up and we are three days and a few hours from seeing it when we record. I mean, three weeks and a few hours from seeing it as of time of recording right now. Because, um, you know, there wasn't a ton of of new footage in this video, but Finn Jones was narrating it and telling us a little bit more about Danny. And one of the first details that stuck out to me is he said Danny was in Kunlun for 15 years. Now that's, I mean, in the comics, it was 10 years, right? The door to Kunlun opened every 10 years. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the, the biggest yeah. thing that sticks out to me is it doesn't seem the right interval. Did you have something to say, Adam? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, they go into it, and uh, that's kind of the whole purpose of the uh, tournament and the Immortal Weapon. So whoever gets to win the tournament, their city appears every seven, I believe. 
it's either seven or eight, and then uh, the uh, other cities that don't win, what are they? The capital cities of heaven or whatever. The cities that don't win appear 77 or 88. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the motivation wow. to win the tournament. So your city appears every seven or eight years. Wow. Okay. Well, anyways, 15 years is what we have for Danny going in and popping out of Kunlun. Um, there was footage. I mean, we got to see more fighting footage, you know, because it was a little bit longer. So we got to see him actually in a little bit of action. And so did Colleen. We got to see that Colleen was watching him fight and a little bit more of him talking to Colleen. Um, so we're starting to get a feel of, of a little bit more of what the characters are. They really built up this feeling of everybody might be a bad guy. You know, there, there could be, you know, don't trust anybody. And, and I like that they focused on Colleen too, that Colleen could be a bad guy that, um, you know, we, we got to see Danny reuniting with joy and, um, ah. yeah, the other Meacham that's not Harold, (laughs) the younger, Ward? Male, me, Ward Meacham. Okay. Uh, Ward just didn't seem like the right name. <laughs> my Don't brain, worry, my man, brain was there. blacking out. <laughs> my yeah. brain was blacking out for Ward. <laughs> I'm going to guess so. right now that one of the twists of this show is that Joy is bad. Like, I feel like they were like foreshadowing, like she seems like she's the nicest one to him. But like I could see them like doing a switcheroo in the middle where she's where she's no good, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean they said it. I mean because I going in like from the little bit that I saw at New York Comic Con, you know, I'm like Harold Meacham, the elder male Meacham. Yeah, I'm like he is bad, and you know the younger Meachams probably bad because they're the children of Harold. You know, Colleen definitely good, and and Gal probably bad. But now, after watching this featurette, I'm like, eh, anybody could be bad. Um, it, it, it it set up for a nice, complicated show, and it gave us a lot of details. Just that just eased my mind a little. So. Unfortunately, my internet is slow as dirt, so I can't refresh myself on the other details as I speak right now. But it, uh, those were the big things that stuck out to me. I no, uh, I'm just excited. You know, I don't know. I don't want to say he's the first. Is he the first? He's not the first powered person that we're seeing on Netflix, but it, it almost feels that way. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, he's. He almost seems more than human for, uh, I don't know what it is about it, but I'm just excited. He's probably a top five favorite character of mine. So it's one of those things where I'm just kind of waiting for, for him to uh, debut, you know, live action. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see just how they develop it all. Um, I feel like Netflix has done a really good job of putting these other subplots into this stuff. There's a lot of stuff about gentrification and crime and how you rebuild a society in Daredevil. 
and there's this stuff about, you know, um, uh, sexual assault and rape culture in Jessica Jones, and there's all this stuff about connection between the police and the African-American community and Luke Cage, and it seems like there's a lot of potential here that they could kind of go down a road of what does it look like to be like a crooked corporation, you know, like how is Wall Street hurting the average person? That could be kind of the political subplot of Iron Fist. And I'm just hoping that whatever I'm seeing of that is a real thing and it's really going to happen. Because I think they will make a little bit of an error if Iron Fist doesn't say anything bigger about the world around it. Like even Netflix has some topicalness to it. Or um, even Daredevil has like a topical nature to it. And if it's just pure comic book without any of that social comment, it just feels like it doesn't quite fit the universe. And so I'm excited to see how they develop it, because I think that could be a very fascinating kind of subplot to all this stuff. And the Meacham sit at sort of the center of all that, you know. So if they have a big, deep subplot, I mean, I, I agree with you. That's one thing that I've loved about the Netflix shows. Um, and that I haven't seen a particular hyping i guess luke cage they did a lot of hyping about we are giving you a bulletproof black man and we are going into everything that that entails um you think it'll be um corporate greed or do you think it'll be cultural appropriation because i've heard a lot of people talk about a lot of the iron fist story being about his place as a white man and an Asian art, basically. Yeah, I think that that feels like the kind of stuff that fans and the people who are upset about the casting want to talk about. But it seems unlikely that Marvel is going to like go straight into the teeth of that. Like they had a lot of those issues with Doctor Strange, and they really tried to avoid talking about them too much. They just kind of accepted that Tilda Swinton was the ancient one and you just moved on with it. And so I don't know if they'll, if they would go that way, that very first kind of quasi trailer that we got out of New York comic con, there was some sort of um, hints. And I think some of the very first interviews with the actors that played the Meachams uh, talked about a little stuff. They maybe even um, name dropped like occupy wall street. I want to say, but maybe not. And so that's that's kind of where I was getting that sense from. Oh, cool. Okay. But we'll we'll see when it's coming. I mean, I still feel like I don't know a ton about this plot, even though like this thing gave us some more. Um, I just feel like they've been a little reserved about exactly what's going on in this uh, show. So it'll be fun to explore it. All right, let's move on to um, a little bit of Samuel L. Jackson talk. So um, Samuel L. Jackson was talking with some media outlet, I'm sure, because um, he's in the new King Kong movie. And as usual, they asked him about Marvel. And uh, he had a couple comments here. I'd love to get your guys' take on any of this. Uh, They asked him if he'd want to do a Nick Fury movie. And he said, yeah, I'd love to do a Nick Fury movie. I'm always open and game. But they got Infinity Wars, two movies to do there. And after that, there's Breeze Larson's movie, Captain Marvel, which maybe Nick will be part of. Also, I asked them, 
so you're doing Black Panther and the only black character in the Marvel Universe is not showing up. And they're like, Nick Fury is not in Wakanda. How can he not know the other black superhero on the planet? How the hell does that work? But they just said, no, you're not in that one. Um, this is such a weird quote to me. Like, first of all, should Nick Fury necessarily know Black Panther? But also, um, are you excited to see him back in these movies? Or have been kind of happy he's been gone? Oh, I'm always happy to see him pop up. Um, but I don't think, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like the black guy's got to all be in Wakanda. <laughs> right. Adam, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I was reading that quote, and I thought it was really weird. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's... Where is he now? When was the last time we saw him in Ultron, right? Yeah, he was in the new Helicarrier in Ultron, yep. Yeah, so I, I really don't know. I don't think I would want to see a solo Nick Fury movie for sure. You know, I think he's a much better person as a supporting actor. Um, yeah. It seemed, I don't know. Yeah, that quote just seemed like he was guns blazing, just pissed as hell that he's not in Black Panther, but I don't know. Maybe we'll see him sooner or later. Is he confirmed for an Infinity War? Um, I don't know if he's confirmed. He seems to act like he's in it. So I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's the type of thing whatever Marvel wants him to be in. I mean, I don't think he's going to be too tough of a negotiator. You know, I think he'll pretty much say yeah to whatever they ask him to. I love that, first of all, you were being so kind about the fact that Samuel L. Jackson seems to do absolutely anything he's asked to. But you also managed to sneak the title of one of his movies in there. Wasn't it a movie called The Negotiator? I have no idea, but if it was, that was all my idea. Thank you. <laughs> Very cleverly done. <laughs> it was. Genius work here. Yeah, I just, I mean, I read this. I, I kind of like the idea of him being in Captain Marvel. Like, I, I like the idea that she's sort of a military person that's been recruited into the superhero world, and it makes sense that he would do that. Um... I mean, I get where he's kind of coming from, maybe, that as an African-American actor, he's probably excited about Black Panther and would like to be part of it. But, um, you know, first of all, you're not the only black character in Marvel. You know, like, we have Falcon, we have War Machine, there are other individuals around. But um, also, I just, you know, I don't know. They don't need to force Nick Fury into the Black Panther movie. So, um and just one other small thing. Have you guys noticed how many of these actors are calling it Infinity Wars with an S at the end? Like uh, Robert Downey Jr. did this the other day, too. And it's driving me crazy. It's Infinity War. There's not many of them. It's just a single war. You know, like you'd think they could at least get the title of the thing right. I heard that it was Infinity Ward. With a D on the end. Yeah, I think mm. I heard that too. <laughs> oh, the joke that just keeps giving. If, if you're Always. listening to this podcast and you don't know what's going on, don't worry. We're going to, uh, we'll get to it. You'll know what's going on. Um, a small bit of news. We got a look at Kurt Russell um, as Ego the Living Planet via a toy from Toy Fair. 
Um, as far as I can tell, he, he looks like Kurt Russell. Any other thoughts on that toy and all that kind of stuff? Exactly. He looks like Kurt Russell. Yes. He is exactly how I pictured. I'm like, well, you know, Kurt Russell, uh, he's going to have the longer hair and a beard. And I'll be darned. That's what it is. Who would have thunk it looks like Kurt Russell? <laughs> right. So <laughs> if it sounds like we're poo-pooing that piece of news, well, yep, we are. Because it just isn't that interesting. Um, only other thing I see here in our news, uh, it does look like the Infinity War cast is being moved to Scotland now to do some filming. And so um, just the next step in this thing, um, if you're trying to follow the Infinity War filming, there's just going to be a ton of back and forth and people on set, people offset, people that start filming, stop filming. I mean, I just assume this is going to be a big logistical nightmare and we're just going to see people coming and going all day long. Um, Cause this is, it's got to be difficult, right? I mean, they're filming these two movies together. It's going to be impossible for us to piece together what they're doing from a distance. I would think Does that seem right to you guys. Yeah. I mean, even today, like I have a friend that's judging at a horse show in Georgia and that's in a picture, like from the horse show, she could see the infinity war set. Like they had something set up. They were, um, they had somebody there that was keeping them from announcing things at times when they were filming. So like, I know there was infinity war filming in Georgia today yet. One source said that they saw the cast getting on the plane for Scotland. So they're doing lots and lots of different things all at once. Yeah. I mean, they have to. So, all right. Um, just two more news things that I'll mention. I, I don't think there's anything for us to talk about, but um, earlier this week, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things uh, was on set of Infinity War. It was uh, she was just hanging out with the Russo brothers, kind of looking at the screen they were looking at as they were directing the movie. Um, some media outlets have tried to say, like, "Ooh, is she cast in the movie?" Uh, I think she's hanging out with the Russo brothers. I don't think there's anything else to that. But uh, that's been making the rounds this week. Um, also, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, Cloak and Dagger, I believe, have begun shooting either yesterday or today. Or um, The cameras are actually rolling on that. So I don't think there's much for us to talk about there. But that is what's going on. So. Uh, do you guys have any other news things you want to talk about, or are you ready to move on to um, to to fast forward or ward, if you will? <laughs> that was funny. Sorry. <laughs> so many places it can go. So many. <laughs> All right, um, we'll go ahead and jump into Agents of Shield. I think that's um, it. Feels a little early, but I think that's going to be our main topic and I want to expand on it in some different ways. Um, it is going to be full spoilers here. So, uh, just so you know that it's coming. Um, so this week on agents of shield, we had sort of the end of a pod and, uh, we can talk about the details of, of what happened, um, as we go through it. But the big kind of reveal is that the next pod, which is starting the first week of April is going to be called agents of Hydra. And it's because they've been sort of put into um, this matrix thing that Ada has built. 
And they're in this kind of what if world where um, all of them have one regret that has been kind of taken away and rolled back. And so we've got Daisy and uh, Gemma Simmons uh, going into this matrix to try to pull all their friends out. And they're living in this kind of bizarro world where everything worked differently. And there's still a Triskelion, but it's the headquarter of Hydra and all that kind of stuff. Um, we can just we can talk about this however you guys want to. Um, I guess let's start with what did you like in this episode? Did you think this was a good episode? How did you feel about it? Um, maybe before that setup, and we'll talk about that stuff in a minute. Um, the, the thing that stood out for me in this episode was the relationship between Daisy and, um, Gemma, just them not trusting each other in the beginning that, well, I, I mean, first Fitz be Fitz and Gemma having their, um, distrust and her making him slit his wrist and then killing. I mean, that was just incredible. Um, but then, but then the girl power in this episode was really great. And then the twist at the end just opens up so many possibilities, but we'll get to that. No, I, yeah, I loved it. I, I thought it was a really good episode. I even posted on Facebook and maybe even tweeted it out. I think that was probably one of, if not like the favorite for me, you know, I just thought it was a really bang up episode, you know, the whole, uh, that Daisy and director Mace LMD fight was was absolutely amazing. You know, I was watching that. I'm like, wow, this is really good stuff. And then when she was, uh, who was she? She got shot by uh, Bad Colson and Mac 2.0. Um, and then she blew their skin off. And that was totally rad. And the only thing I didn't like about the episode, I both you both could probably imagine as well. It, it almost ruined it for me, but it didn't because it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I was really impressed with um, the sort of cinematography of it, the way the episode was lit. Um, I really enjoyed the fight scene with um, Mace and, and Daisy as well because there was no lights and there was sort of the glow of the fire and there was a lot of silhouettes just all of that stuff seemed sort of a level above. Sometimes um, this show can be so so uneven on that stuff. Like one week there'll be something very visually striking. I remember once a um, a Gael and May fight where they were in like this all white room and they were wearing black clothes. And it was this really like visually distinct thing. And then other weeks it's just a mashup of blue and purple stage lights that look like every other sci-fi show on the planet. And so I felt like this week, everything was really well directed and the cinematography looked great. I don't know on a TV show, even how that works. If you have a cinematographer on set or if those are decisions, the director's making, but I just thought the, the whole show looked such higher level of production and quality than we get sometimes that I was really kind of impressed by those things, you know? Well, and this was, it's worth noting, it was Jed Whedon's directorial debut. So Jed is the showrunner for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and this was his first time directing. So, you know, he was, I mean, it's his first time, but that was really cool. Um, 
and some of a, a lot of that is the director's choice. A lot of what you were talking about. I mean, there is the director of photography sticks with a TV show. Normally they have like one or two director of photographies that'll, you know, keep some consistency in the look and everything. The showrunner has a lot to do with making sure the look and the tone is the same week to week. Directors and TV shows have sort of the least power in that regard. You know, they, they have to bring everything to reality, but it makes sense that Jed would have a good vision. But great job for his first time. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was really startling about the episode was um, the use of violence. So I'm not the kind of guy that just like wants stuff to be gory just to be gory. But um, there was a couple of just really visceral moments, whether it was like Gemma stabbing the uh, Fitz LMD to death and like cutting his throat. And then the moment where Ada you know, slits the wrists of Radcliffe. Uh, and then there was a moment when Ada also had like a hacksaw that she was about to go at the uh, superior with. Like those were just all moments that to me make the show feel different. Um, and I don't think they were cheap violence. Like it was, they were just moments where it showed you that these people are in extreme situations and they're doing things that require them to do extreme actions and I think that's good because sometimes S.H.I.E.L.D. can feel like there's no stakes and it doesn't matter. And so, like, those things combined with that desperation that uh, Simmons was clearly, you know, the actress there was just really giving us a very strong sense of she felt like she was going to die. And she didn't know if she would make it out of the building. Like, I think that's... Um, I just think that's a good thing for that show to have that level of sort of depth and uh, stakes involved, if that makes any sense. Totally. How crazy would it have been if that wasn't an LMD fits and Gemma just went off the rockers there for a second? Yeah. How crazy would that have been? Yeah, it's, we're not, I mean, yeah, at the time I was like going back and forth about really what was what, you know? Yeah. See, going into this episode, I had convinced myself that Fitz had to be an LMD to have been able to scan everybody that was an LMD, that he almost had to either be an LMD or be on the side of Radcliffe in all of this. And it made more sense that he was an LMD. Yeah, but I can see that. Are you since guys... that whole battle? I was a little more sure. <laughs> yeah, are you guys glad that Radcliffe appears to be uh, at least physically dead? Like, was that a fitting end for Radcliffe, or uh, or not? Yeah, that's what you get for messing with nature, man. That's what you get for messing with. What do you want to call it? The process of life, or the cycle of life that's what you get for playing god how about that yeah it's what you get for creating a robot army max said this was a bad idea well and the funny thing is i think for his character he almost might see this as a happy ending too you know like if he gets stuck in this framework with um the ada you know ada prime or whatever for the rest of his life i think he'll be pretty happy about that so sure 
Yeah. See that that's that's what I think. You know, I I kind of thought that. You know, it's like so. I mean, if he's in the framework, you know, what extent does it seem real to him? You know, does he? I mean, do people have to eat in the framework, and they, you know, that's I don't know. Obviously, I it's yeah, you know, it's just something that we probably won't ever get the answer to, but it's just kind of the logistics behind it. You know, if when you're in the framework, do you feel pain? You know, what feelings do you have and things like that? Because obviously I think that was Radcliffe's end goal anyways, was just to live as long as he could in the framework. I think, I I mean, I've envisioned it just like in the matrix where you completely feel and think that you are alive. So all of the pains, all of the all of the highs, all of the lows, all of the technicalities of eating and being sick and all of that, that that it takes you through all of that. Cause they sort of were playing on like the early May, like the early stuff with May, that like when they didn't have those lows. Have you guys have seen The Matrix, right? Yeah. The first mm-hmm. one at least. I mean, because they say like when we didn't have the lows, when we when we tried to make it a utopia, people fought back. And when they gave May the perfect little massage parlor, she fought back. She was uncomfortable. So I, the vision that I get is that this world, it's completely functional. They they feel completely as though they're in a real world. Yeah, and I, mm. I do like that. There's some really interesting philosophical stuff, like the superior is now a mechanical being stuck in a physical world, whereas they're physical beings who are going to be stuck in sort of a mechanical world, and it's like the flip side of that. And that we had the LMDs who didn't know they were LMDs, and now we have people in the framework who don't know they're really people. You know, like, I just think all that that stuff is fun, and I think they can play off it in clever ways. They can play off it in really stupid ways, too, but we'll see if they're they're able to kind of, you know, pull that off, so... That'll be interesting. Um, Are you guys excited, you know, moving ahead to the resurrection of Ward? As we've been teasing all episode, Adam hates Ward. And so we had teased a while back on the podcast that Ward would be back. And they sure enough have found some way to squeeze him into the show. Um, You know, obviously, Adam, feel free to give us a rant on that. But generally speaking, do you like, like, do you like where we're going? Is this kind of cool, this what if world? Uh, do you think this is going to work as like a cool next next pod to the show? I think the the way they're bringing back Ward is pretty much the only way to do it without me absolutely going off the handle. I, I still don't like the fact that they brought him back. You know, I thought it probably would have been more touching if it was Lincoln or something, you know, that, that Daisy actually cared about. But at least they didn't bring him back in an LMD form or something like that. But it's just the it's the recurring theme where it always goes back to him. You know, it always goes back to him or Hydra. And it's just kind of tiresome that way. You know, even though they're going in a completely other way with this fake or the framework ward and the framework Hydra, you know, it's still the sole purpose. And I get Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, you have to have one to have the other throughout the whole history of comics and so on and so forth. This just seems 
it's it's starting to get tiring, you know. Uh, it's always Hydra. It's coming back to Hydra, so on and so forth. But those are my two cents. See, and I was spoiled, so I I cannot stay up past ten o'clock. I can't watch the whole 10 to 11. I can't make it all the way to 11. So I watched the next day. And of course, the next morning I was spoiled with that. The first spoiler was that it was agents of Hydra. And with that, I was like, oh God, we're going back to Hydra. Like, how are they pulling this in again? And then when I heard about Ward being back, it was like Christmas morning. If only... Because of getting to tease Adam about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just... Just Agent Ward being back. Um, It was a nice twist. It was one I didn't see coming. It's one that has spurred a lot of conversation. There's so many things to think about. And uh, I like it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what it does to the ratings of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which are... You know, pretty typically abysmal now. Um, somebody was saying on our, our messaging service for our website that, like, Reddit had uh, the Marvel subreddit for, or the subreddit for Marvel was all Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, like, top five most talked about things Wednesday morning, which never, ever happens because people hate the show kind of, you know, across the board. And so it seems like they've done something that's getting them... Um, as much talk and as much, you know, kind of buzz in the media as Ghost Rider did. And so I think that's probably good for them. It'd be really fascinating to see if they come back in April and there's like a, a kind of surge in the ratings because people just want to see how this thing shakes down. And really, they have nothing to lose at this point. They needed a big, risky twist, you know, play... You know, back when we did talk about Ward coming back, I, I had posed the question, would you prefer the show to be canceled to him coming back? And maybe they heard us having that discussion because it really is. I mean, the, the ratings on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can't go much lower. And, you know, maybe this is what they need. The, yeah, the, how did no one notice that? I mean, we should have been looking for clues all along where Brett Dalton was when they're filming and all this stuff. They kept that under wraps pretty well. Well, he doesn't appear in the episode. Yeah, he doesn't true. appear. Well, yeah, that's true. But then they posted a uh, they posted a video right after that aired, and he was you know, the, uh, holding a script or whatever. Right. He was holding his script up and things like that, but yeah, but that yeah. they could have like FedEx to his house and you know shot with a, you know, with a camera at his place or whatever. You know, he doesn't have to be on set. True. That, so. Yeah. True. I also but, don't think anybody yeah. cares enough about Agents of Shield to really be like paparazzi stalking the show anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. But. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think it really is like it really is easy for them to hide some stuff like this. I mean, Shield is filmed a lot on a stage in California, but I mean, go back to Daredevil, and Vincent D'Onofrio was walking the streets of New York with Daredevil filming, and almost nobody found out about that. So if it, it it's kind of like if you're not looking for it, you don't see it. True. 
So now there was a comment um, uh, by Charles who does our videos at MCU Exchange, and he was saying that he's not real excited about it because he feels like uh, this framework storyline is sort of a storyline that has no stakes because kind of whatever happens is just going to be all undone when they kind of come out of this framework. Are you guys worried about that at all? Or do you think that this is still going to be uh, something that draws you in or something you really care about because of the characters? I think um, so. So one sort of, and, and I'd like to rewatch the show and see and listen to this a little bit more. But one thing that Radcliffe was talking about that was that in the framework, everybody got to undo one regret. That was when everybody like their biggest regret was undone in the framework. So everybody's biggest regret led to this world that we're seeing. And to me, there's a lot of those implications that when they're all back and they're out of this, there's going to be a lot of conflict in them working through what they've learned, what their subconscious created this world. You know, you have LMD May that's confessed her love to Coulson. You have all of this other stuff for them to work through when they come out. So I think there are places for them to go when they get out of the framework. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the first questions there is what does it say uh, like if I'm Simmons, what does it say to me that the biggest regret of my four or five closest friends in the world, if undone, creates a universe where I'm dead? You know, like that's kind of a yeah. weird thing. Yeah. And I don't entirely understand where she is now. I think I think they're going to totally try to freak us out and uh, do one of these buried alive things that she's just going to wake up in the casket six feet under and Daisy's going to have to, like, race to find her, you know? Like that, uh, was there a movie with Bradley Cooper or something that's like this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I don't know if it was... I know exactly. I, I know what you're talking about. That is one of my worst fears ever, by the way. Open water, and I'm so claustrophobic, I can hardly handle, like, uh, automatic car wash. So... Yeah, my yeah. wife's going to freak if they do it. But <laughs> Adam, are you excited yeah, about any of these kind of what-if storylines? The, so got? the thing, yeah, I mean, we have to realize that once they get out of the framework, I mean, as it stands now, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s pretty much dismantled. You know, obviously not to the point of a Hydra takeover, but, I mean... <laughs> They just went public, and now their main base of operations is blown up, and it's not going to be a secret that they were infiltrated again with life model decoys. You know, I know that there was the explosion and and all that stuff, but part of me wants to say that not all of the Daisy Johnson LMDs were destroyed and, and things like that, you know. I mean, obviously, we don't know the extent of the base yet, but we got to realize that, you know, once they get out of the framework, they're going to have to deal with a fallout. You know, Director Mace isn't an inhuman. They were infiltrated by LMDs. I think you mentioned earlier, Caleb, I mean, obviously one of the storylines is now that their jets, Zephyr 1 or whatever, is going to be attacked while they're in the framework. So they're going to have to 
you know, save them while they're in the framework so they don't die while in framework and things like that. But I mean, yeah, it's not. I'm so not looking forward to that. Like, I know there was this whole subplot in the Matrix movies, right? Where, like, they had to keep the ship going while, like, the alien things tried to, like, destroy it. But they had to be careful because Neo's, like, plugged into the Matrix. I do not want six episodes of Yo-Yo fighting off bad guys while their lifeless bodies sit in the other room. Like, I don't, I'm not excited about that part. Yeah. Word. I think, I, I mean, I think I'd be more interested, you know, if they, well, we have seven episodes left. They do five, four or five episodes of the framework and kind of wrap that up then, then kind of end the season on, uh, well, what the, heck do we kind of do now you know like they're gonna have some answers um i mean there's still some huge things standing out there you know we have senator nadir's brother somewhere at the bottom of the ocean still you know that was what a two episode deal you know um we where we still have uh the nitro guy he's out somewhere as well isn't he you know, so there's the bunch of Gravitron's going to come back too. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe those two examples will come back in season ten or eleven. But <laughs> it's who knows? But I mean, yeah, it's not an easy way out. You know, obviously, whatever happens in the framework's not real, but they still have to go through it. Obviously, they'll have to go through it, and it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it's so. Daisy and Gemma know they're in the framework. I mean, it was pretty clear that Daisy knew she was in the framework. So uh, how, you know, it's going to be a unique thing, how she persuades the others. One, they probably don't even know who the hell she is in this other world, you know, let alone fall in or out of it and stuff, which is kind of a unique thing because they went through something very similar on Arrow this season. Um almost identical you know they had the invasion crossover and the aliens put them in a different world and then one of them finally found out that it wasn't real (laughs) so the crossover they had to persuade each other it wasn't real and to wake up and stuff but yeah Yeah. i I don't think it's a easy way out or whatever you want to call you know because i mean once they do get out of the framework there's still a bunch of problems and conflicts they're going to solve you know talbot's going to be knocking on their door asking what the hell's going on and so on and so forth it reminds me a lot of um i don't know if anybody stuck through to the last season of lost and uh if you're still waiting to see lost i'm going to spoil it here a little bit but like throughout that show they had had like flashbacks and then they had a flash forward the last season of that show they don't reveal it till the very end but basically they jump back and forth between what's going on in the island and what's going on with these characters in the afterlife like you think it's a split dimension where they didn't crash but really it's like some sort of purgatory place that they are and throughout that season, basically what you have is all these characters who this one character is trying to awaken to remember their past on the island, to remember their relationships. And I could see that very much feeling how this feels. And if they're going to do it, I kind of almost would like a similar structure where each of these next episodes is a different character. And so, like, 
Daisy and Gemma start with Coulson, and we get a lot of character stuff about who Coulson is and how his life has worked out and how he feels about it. And they have to like slowly bring him back to consciousness. And once they do, they then move on to Mac the next episode. And so we have these episodes that are really focused on one character and trying to kind of bring out their stuff. And it would be cool if they kind of cross paths and they don't even know they're crossing paths. I could see them really developing that thing that way, which would be kind of interesting. I'm not sure if I want them, you know, I think it'd be cool to focus on one character at a time, I guess is what I'm saying. So. And then I think there's the added little bit of like, if you're in this world and they are so happy, like if their life is genuinely better, I imagine there'll be a little bit of a um, conflict of conscience of, I mean, yes, it's not real, but why is reality better? Yeah. Should they just let them stay in this happy place? I mean, as a dad, like I think about Mac, if I were to experience losing a child and then I had the opportunity to live in a world however artificial, where I didn't have to go through that pain, then I think I might take it, you know? Like, I could see where that would be something someone would want. And so that'll be interesting to see if somebody wants to kind of stay in it, you know? Yeah. Um, Let me ask this as we get to the end of this pod and as we look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talked about the ratings... Um, we know we have seven more episodes of the show before the season ends. Um, are you hoping that this is like a fitting finale to the show? If this is good, are you okay with the show kind of dying at this point? Or do you still really care about it getting a fifth season and continuing on? Like, where are you sitting right now on the renewal versus cancel thing? This is not a storyline I want wrapped up in seven episodes. This is a storyline that when they get out of it, everybody's going to be emotionally traumatized. And I want to see how they work through it. And I just don't see them getting them out of the framework and working through all of that by the end of the season. So while I was ambivalent before, now I need at least a short fifth season. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I want more S.H.I.E.L.D. and all this stuff. But, you know, I, I do think the writing's nearly on the wall. Um, I wouldn't have hated it if the series ended with this episode. Um, obviously, it opened up mm. way, way too many loose ends and stuff. But, I mean, I think the the series needs to end kind of somehow like it this episode was not maybe obviously in the framework, but a, a montage of sorts, you know, yeah. Uh, you see them in their futures or whatever away from shield, you know, cause obviously and they're not going to be coworkers for their entire lives. Obviously, you know, Fitz is going to go off and found his own company or whatever, you know? So, uh, <laughs> If I was a betting man, I would say, yeah, there's probably going to be a season five, uh, debating on how they kind of take this uh, 
this final pod, you know, and that's the thing. They're kind of boosting this pod up quite a bit, you know, so maybe it'll get to a point where they can end it on their own terms. You know, I think that'll be a better thing to, to say, you know, let's, let's wrap this up instead of it getting to the point where, where no one's watching it, you know, ratings are already hurting, you know, it's, it won't be good if they come back for season five for ratings to be half of what they are now. And then, have to be canceled in the middle of a story or something, you know? Yeah, I'm still enjoying it enough that um, I don't know if I want this show to come back, but I want to have a weekly network show for Marvel, you know? So if they, like, had a pilot and a pitch for something that was going to be the replacement of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the fall, then I'd probably be okay with it going... But it's good enough still for me that I'd rather have a weekly Marvel show than not have a weekly Marvel show. So I guess that's kind of where I am, but that's not exactly a ringing, excuse me, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement either. So it's just, um, I do feel like a lot of the characters, I don't know, they've kind of gone where they've gone. I mean, it seems like the writers are clearly lost with May. They don't know what to do with her. They have found so many ways to kind of write her out of the show or capture her or do whatever so that they don't actually have to write a meaningful story for her. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think if it's if there's something to replace it, I would love that, but I'm okay with another season. Um, so we'll just, I guess we'll see where that um, goes from there. So, And also, the one thing is... The stakes can only be so high without the Avengers showing up and helping out. Yeah. Like, I I mean, that's where one thing, like if they keep raising the stakes and raising the stakes, it makes it less and less likely that the Avengers would just, you know, be off dealing with Wakanda or Thanos. I mean, unless we clearly see, and, and I mean, by next season, we will not have seen Infinity War. So it's not like, anything is establishing that the Avengers are off of the planet or anything like that. I, that, that is becoming a bigger and bigger problem for shield to me. Well, and I think it's going to be a problem for how they close this thing out because from where I sit, they have two options with a lot of these characters. They either kill them or they bring them into the movies. But when you look at someone like Daisy or quake, that has the powers that she has, that has the experience that she has. When Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ends as a TV show, Quake either has to be killed or she has to be hanging out with Maria Hill and Nick Fury every time they do a S.H.I.E.L.D. scene in the movies. Because the idea that they would have her available and she wouldn't be involved at the highest rung of S.H.I.E.L.D. makes zero sense. So I feel like they have to kill the character or bring him to the film side. And I think that's going to be a very awkward thing for them to try to navigate when the show's over. True. Somebody like Quake should be an Avenger at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm also hopeful that they could, if the Inhumans thing goes well, you know, I know they're bringing Quake kind of into the Inhumans in the comic books right now. I wouldn't mind seeing her as like the S.H.I.E.L.D. liaison to Black Bolt or something. I think that would be pretty cool as well. 
Yeah. All right. Um, before we wrap that up, any other thoughts on Shield on this pod? Um, where we're going from here? Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that this is really exciting to me in that it does open up the possibility of bringing characters back. Um, if there was, I didn't tell you this guys ahead of time, but I'll throw it out there. If you could bring back one character to the show that's been gone for a while, who would you want to see back on the show? Oh, uh, Raina, Raina. That's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I like me some Calzavo bring back a little cow. Yeah. I, um, I think I would like to see Deathlock. I just, I guess he could be back regardless. But I just feel like he needs to return. It seems weird to me that we've done a whole storyline about robot people and they haven't thought to bring Deathlock into the conversation. But uh, so anyways, I'd like to see him back. I think that would be cool. And in this case, you might be able to see him. uh, You might just be able to see uh, Peterson. I forget. Was it Carl Peterson is the name they gave him? But like see him without the stuff like he never had the accident. He never like got the cybernetic stuff because he never got in trouble with the extremist stuff in the first place. That would be kind of interesting um, as well. But um, I did see, did you guys see that uh, the actor who plays Fitz um, took a photo with Nick Blood, who played Lance Hunter, uh, and they put it on Instagram today that they were together in Hollywood? Is that what that was? I didn't have a chance to really look at it. Yeah, so I mean... That- we don't know. They could just be hanging out, but it could be that this is a way to bring Bobby and Hunter back as well. Oh, snap. Oh. But yeah, I mean, I think if they, if they play their cards right, it could be really interesting to have like just a reunion of all these characters that they could bring. But, you know, like Lucy Lawless's character could come back, you know, and not be dead. And uh, they could bring back uh, Trip. Um, they could bring back <gasps> Bill Pullman as the clairvoyant in a different role. Like there's all these people that could return. And see, that would be, it'd be a reunion of sorts. That would be a good way to end the series. Is there all happily ever after in the, in the matrix? Well, no, not in the framework, but I mean, it's almost, it kind of provides some closure, I guess. I mean, obviously it's not real, but I don't know. You know, if they're in the framework, you know, it it might provide them with a little bit of closure if they got to talk to someone again, you know, like a guy like Trip, if he comes back, you know, if they could talk to him, obviously it's not real, but at the same time, it might help them personally. You know what I'm trying to say? It's it's not real, but at least it's it'll give some self peace because they think they talk to them one more time, you know, or even if, um, may talks to her husband. Right. And he's like, listen, it's okay. Like I've been dead a while now. Like, you know, somehow you become self-aware of what he is, you know, like go ahead, go after Colson. You don't have to worry about me anymore. So I could see them totally doing a scene like that. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'm also wondering if Colson's going to be married to that. Um, is she a piano player? Do you remember the girl cello? from the first no, season? I, no, I think she played the cello, didn't she? Okay. A yeah, cellist yeah, yeah. or something like that. I think it was a cello. 
Yeah, I'm th- I'm I'm thinking that he's going to be married to her and like living a little suburban existence when we come back in April. So you know that does make perfect sense. If Phil Coulson wasn't a secret agent, I would totally peg him as a history teacher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of cool to see these characters because I think, you know, even though it's not the main continuity, I think it's still a way to explore them. Like, I was thinking about how the Old Man Logan comic book is not continuity. Like, it's easy to say it's kind of a throwaway what-if story, but it was one of the best Wolverine stories we've gotten in the last decade of or, or two of comics, you know? And mm-hmm. so I just, I don't think... That just because something is like one of these Elseworld kind of things, I don't think that necessarily means they can't have kind of gravity and really explain a character and fulfill a character. And so I am excited about seeing these characters in slightly different contexts and just what that means and what that looks like, you know? Yeah, you know, and I mean, we're still dealing with the dark hold here, you know, I mean, if... For some reason, fans absolutely eat something up in the framework. You know, there's still wiggle room to pull a Secret Wars type deal or something and merge the two realities or something. You know, who knows? Anything is possible with the Darkhold. Do you think we're seeing Ghost Rider again? Or does this make you think that we're we're done with him for the year? No, I think we'd. I think we'll see. I, there was a point in this past episode where I thought he would come back. Maybe during, kind of how that uh, Daisy and Mace fight looked. How it was kind of the orangish and red tones. You know, I thought that maybe once she got shot or something, for some reason he'd pop up. Like I don't know, they shot something and it bounced off and hit one of the containers in the back, which opened up a. Uh, portal or something but that was incredibly wishful thinking apparently but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we'll probably see him i would think we see him again you know but yeah i don't know i thought we probably would have gotten something from him by now if we saw him again but who knows it's interesting because as we talk about this i'm kind of almost talking myself into this being a good way to end this series like, I know what you were saying, Rhiannon, about, like, they're going to be kind of emotionally messed up. But I think there's also the option that if they can see some of these dead characters, if they can kind of process the hurt and the emotions of what's happened over the, the length of the show and sort of bring back characters that they've lost, I think there's a chance that they can all kind of come to a place of peace so that, like, the show does feel wrapped up, you know? Like, you have kind of that nostalgia and you have kind of those closures, and then you're done with it. And so I could see where this would actually be a good jumping off point in some ways. Yeah, yeah you you guys have kind of sold me on that just in the way you've been talking. I can I can see it. You know, and the, the other thing, I mean, they're in this together. You know, I mean, this is this is the one team we've seen through the, the whole series, you know, so they're in this alternate reality together so if they go through all this stuff and the the closure and all this stuff you know and they all wake up and then they can look at each other and understand what they went through together you know they no one else is gonna know what the heck went on but but the main team behind the series did you know and i think that's enough to kind of wrap it up yeah. 
Adam, do you know what the best part of um, them closing this series up at the season would be? It gets to end with Grant Ward, part of the MCU. <laughs> I was going to say that there'll never be another opportunity to uh, to bother us again with um, with uh, with with Ward, right? You know, he'd be gone for good, <laughs> never again. I tell you, I tell you what, man. If they ever put him in a damn movie, I'm walking out of the theater. I'm going to the ticket office. I'll be like, Give me my money back. You know, screw it. I'm going to DC exclusively. I'm done with this. Wow, that's extreme. Uh, I won't uh, go that extreme, but if he ever does pop up in the movie, the very first thing is I'm whipping out, whipping out my phone, going to Slack and typing OMG. <laughs> See, I was going to say the worst thing about them ending it with in this the worst thing about them ending it is you won't get to see them kill ward again because i mean you do get to watch kill ward over and over oh this this needs to be a betting market like who's gonna shoot ward in the uh this else world like framework thing they've got you know like who's gonna be the lucky person that gets to put a bullet in them this time so that's for all we know, Daisy, like in the next scene, just like goes and suffocates him in the bed. Just like, <laughs> good morning, honey. Die. <laughs> they don't even actually use bread at all. It's just some, <laughs> it's some extra and we only see his flailing arms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. All there right. we go. We can start the uh, MCUX prop bets. Who's going to uh, shoot Ward? I think it's two to one odds. Daisy's going to kill him. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It'd be kind of nice. I, I don't think Coulson would do it again. Like, I think he actually feels bad about the time he killed Ward. So, which, you know, it's too bad. I, he, you shouldn't feel bad at all. But anyway. I mean, he did it in the most brutal way, too. Like, he killed him with his hand. Like, yeah. He, you know, he didn't shoot him or push him off a building. He crushed him with his Bionic hand, which is gnarly. Absolutely. Yeah. He's going to have his hand back in this world, too. That'll be interesting. So mm-hmm. True. All right. Um, are we all done with our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. talk? Can we talked about this about as many ways as we can. You know, we've got six more weeks to talk about it. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I will get to uh, our fan mail because we did get a great tweet this week. Uh, from Jackhammer. Uh, I'll read this tweet exactly as it's typed. Hashtag MCUXPod at Adam Barnhart. I blame you. Your compliance has been rewarded because of that episode <laughs> you were talking about him. You jinxed us. Ah. <laughs> so Jackhammer on Twitter thinks this is all your fault, uh, Adam. Any response I... to that? No, I'm just the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. clairvoyant. I just know the stuff. You know, Jeff and I talked, and Jeff's like, you know what, Adam? I think I'm going to bring a word back. And I'm like, whatever, it's cool. I mean, go ahead. It'll give us more material on the podcast. (laughs) We need to, we're going, let's start a segment on this podcast. Hashtag Ward Watch. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Reward. (laughs) 
it's just so frustrating. Man, it's frustrating. But it is what it is. I saw that. Jack, that's not your real name it is, but Jack, you're a good guy. I'm Jack sorry. is a good guy. We also got a comment from Hive and Human 16 on the website. Uh, he was just saying that he uh, agreed with us about uh, the Mac and Fit scene last week. We had talked about where Mac was being a big jerk about Fitz making stuff and ruining the world and all that stuff. So, uh, anyways, he agreed with us on that. Um, also, we have people who continue to listen on SoundCloud and send us some likes. Thank you guys for that. Um, I'll do a random country shout out of the week. And uh, actually, we'll say hello to the people in the United Kingdom. They are our second biggest listenership after the United States. And so, thank you, all you people in uh, the UK. Uh, you guys are getting the Avengers here, it looks like, this week for um, some filming of Infinity War, so good luck with that. Um, and thanks for listening. All right. Go see if Brett Dalton's on set. Yeah, of Infinity War. <laughs> Thanos <Lord>. turns out <laughs> to just be Brett Dalton. <laughs> Infinity Ward! <laughs> what a twist. Dun, dun, dun. What if Ward was like you ought to the watcher, you know, like he just keeps coming back to life because he has to like be observing the whole time. It's not Stan Lee. It's Ward. Ward, the living tribunal. <laughs> he gets the whole he gets the hold of the time stone and just comes back to bargain over and over. <laughs> Shield, I've come to bargain. <laughs> Who's oh, behind I'm that sh- door? Mamu mask. <laughs> it's Brett Ward. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, guys. We've got to start photoshopping some of this stuff for for. Adam. We have to. I need a new cover photo. Just an <laughs> Infinity Ward. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'm going to tweet, Brad. I just saw Brett tweet. I'm going to tweet him. See if he responds. <laughs> Brett Dalton. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. What's up? Keep up the good work. <laughs> oh, hey. He just tweeted. He's in Atlanta. Did he really? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> no, he didn't. I, I don't totally know. believe it at this point. <laughs> if he did, I. Mm. And it would be that he was, and it would be that he was filming Stranger Things. Just like be like, I was hanging out with Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, he'd be but cool he, as the next like you know monster on that show. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, we could sit and make these jokes all day, and I don't know if our podcast listeners care. But anyways, um, thank you for listening to the show. Um, next week, heads up, uh, Logan comes out next week, so I think our conversation will be X-Men. Does the MCU need it? Uh, what should they do if they get it? All that kind of stuff. So come with your um, mutant thoughts next week, and we will talk about that. Sound good, guys? Sound yeah. good. All right. Uh, until next time, this has been the MCU Exchange Podcast. Um, as I should always say this, uh, like us on, um, give us likes on Facebook, I guess, but um, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us reviews on iTunes. Feel free to like us on SoundCloud. Leave us comments on the website or on SoundCloud or hashtag MCUXPod. That's M-C-U-E-X-P-O-D. Um, feel free to... Uh, tweet at any of us. We are at Adam Barnhard, at Shot of Patron, and at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, we'd love to talk to you guys and interact. Always trying to kind of build up the show on our listenership. So share it with your friends, 
If you have somebody that likes the MCU or really likes Brett Dalton or whatever, just go ahead and share this podcast with them and we would really appreciate it. So until next week, we will see you guys later. Bye.